Mirror, mirror on the wall. How the fuck long have you been in that stall? Put the tweezers down. Crystal Clear here. Never drunk, always intoxicating. The Enchantress and host of More Morgulons. You're listening to More Morgulons and thank you for listening. We are going to have a great episode today about mass psychogenic illness. I also want to share with you a statement that was addressed to the, I think, city of Berkeley by Dr. Edward Spencer, a neurologist from California, who back in the early days of morgues made some interesting statements about his theories regarding the origin and nature of Morgulon's disease. Spoiler alert, it's pretty cray cray. There's a lot of crazy proximally and peripherally to Morgulon's disease because it's a crazy disease, but I don't think the origin is psychogenic. Unless I, myself, and others have the power to imaginate and materialize these materials. Literally identical objects across the country and the world. How we all manage to craft very tiny gold and iridescent hexagons with hairs coming out of them. Just as a fun hoax to play on the side of our otherwise normal lives, this ridiculousness passes for and persists as supposedly rational rebuttal to the testimony of myself and other morgies as well as physical evidence okay we all have delusional parasitosis all right well delusional parasitosis is a monosymptomatic delusional disorder diagnosis meaning that the other diagnoses of substance use disorder schizophrenia have been ruled out they are not psychotic in any other way than this one monosymptomatic delusion okay well why do all these people with one delusion also across the country and across the world share pictures of very specific objects that are identical please share with me the rational explanation for that we're just crazy we're delusional it's all in our heads or we are all talented fabricators of the miniature arts go on the internet and put in morgulon's hexagons or iridescent hexagon you will see these weird fucking things that come out of our skin Stay tuned. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, before we talk about mass psychogenic illness, I want to share with you a transcript of Dr. Edward Spencer's comments, The Cause of Morgulon's Disease. I think this is from 2005. Honorable Mayor and Berkeley City Council members, my name is Edward Spencer, MD. I have practiced neurology in Northern California for more than 30 years. I'm speaking tonight on the issue of health and nanotechnology. 
A very strange disorder named Morgulon's disease is among us, and the worldwide number of cases is approaching 20,000, with major clusters in the Bay Area and Southern California. There now exists strong data indicating that this disorder is associated with nanotechnology, specifically nanomachines in the form of nanofibers. The National Science Foundation defines nanofibers as having at least one dimension of 100 nanometer or less. So-called Morgulon's disorder presents as brain fog, fatigue, and other neurological symptoms. It is associated with the presence of tiny fibers protruding from the skin, intense itching, and the possible appearance of ulcerative lesions. Ringed by a raised crater rim and other strange lesions. The fibers have been widely observed to move. There is no satisfactory treatment. Physicians and dermatologists are unfamiliar with this chronic disabling disorder and tend to ignore it. Patients become labeled as having delusions of parasitosis, and this psychiatric diagnosis is stuck to the patients by dermatologists who have not examined the skin under magnification and who have not completed the extensive evaluation necessary to exclude all parasitic skin disorders before making a psychiatric diagnosis. Pictures of the fibers are provided in the packet. And I will direct your attention to the blue fiber with the gold tip. This was removed from a patient. This fiber did not burn until it had been heated to 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Compare that with hair, which is easily burned, producing a characteristic odor and has a cellular structure. The fibers are shed regularly, and some grow to long lengths, indicating fiber production in the human body. Dr. Genovi has stated of this blue fiber, quote, it has no eukaryotic cells, it has no cell membrane, it is not a parasite, it is not biological, it is a machine. And then there's a reference to a web article called Gold Nano Anchors Put Nanowires in Their Place. Also included are microphotographs by Dr. Hildegard Staninger of a blue Morgulon's fiber removed from a patient. Note the similarity of a structure. There is evidence that Morgulon's disorders carried by insect vectors as some type of bug bite frequently precedes the onset of the disorder. The agent or agents producing Morgulon's are in the sewer systems. Also included are photo micrographs of very strange skin lesions. Morgulon's appears almost biblical in its characteristics, like something described in Exodus. Dr. Randy Wymore of the University of Oklahoma sent fibers to the FBI. No matching fibers were found in the FBI forensic database. A contact in Naval Intelligence has recommended looking into smart dust specs in field arrays. The National Register of Environmental Professionals has assigned a task force to look into environmental causes behind Morgulon's disorder. I asked the Berkeley City Council to request that the University of California devote its considerable intellectual and technical resources to studying these nanofibers and this disease. Under the wise guidance of Wall Street and insurance companies, American medicine has fallen into an amazing state of degeneracy. Medical care is unavailable for many, access is limited for most, and research money is frequently unavailable except for major drug companies. Using technical terms, American medicine is in the toilet. The response of the CDC has been lethargic to the point of being alarming. A simple electronic microscope such as you see here allows inspection of the skin at 50 times to 400 times and allows the clinician to document the existence of fibers. Eyeballs at two feet won't do it. And simple equipment like this should be available in the UC, University of California clinics. And of course, we need methods of treatment. This concludes my brief bedtime story. I will be pleased to provide further information as it becomes available. Respectfully, Ed Spencer, MD. So these are some pretty interesting statements, bold and I would even say shocking claims. I approach them with skepticism since he references uh, evidence or work done by, quote, Dr. Unquote, Hildegard Staninger or Hildegard 
uh, Saccarello, which is one of a couple of aliases this woman goes by. She is a charlatan who exploits desperate people who have Morgulons or used to back in the 2000s. I don't know what she's up to to these days. Um, There is an episode about her called Busted, Dr. Hildegard Staninger from November 29th, 2020, season two of More Morgulons. I encourage you to go check it out. It's a good one, short, it's only 14 minutes. But regardless of the theory of nanotechnology being the cause of Morgulons disease, and I'm not ruling it out in any way, shape or form, you guys, the other day, there was a hair on my head and it had a band of iridescent green glittering on it. Like, if you go on my Twitter, crystal clear at More Morgulons, my Twitter feed, you will see this insane looking green, glowing, iridescent hair fiber thing I found on the floor recently. I found one growing out of my head. So is it nanotech? I don't fucking know, but it's not normal. (laughs) It's not my imagination. Regardless, Dr. Spencer is right about a few things that he mentions in his statements to the city council. For one, yeah, you're damn right. You can't diagnose as a dermatologist a delusional disorder when you have failed to even walk two feet across the room and look at your patient's lesions under microscopy. It's not that hard. In fact, it's your job. What isn't your job as a dermatologist is to diagnose me with a psychiatric disorder before even assessing me. Um, Anyway, he does make a reference in his statements to an article from 2004, November 10th, in um, at www.nist.gov. NIST stands for National Institute of Standards and Technology. And um, it is a physical sciences laboratory and non-regulatory agency of the United States Department of Commerce. So he refers to an article that was published um, on the National Institute of Standards and Technology website. It's actually still there. I looked it up. Gold nano anchors put nanowires in their place. Researchers at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, have demonstrated a technique for growing well-formed single crystal nanowires in place and in a predictable orientation on a commercially important substrate. The method uses nanoparticles of gold arranged in rows on a sapphire surface as starting points for growing horizontal semiconductor, quote, wires only three nanometers in diameter. Other methods produce semiconductor nanowires more than 10 nanometers in diameter. NIST chemist work was highlighted in the October 11th issue of Applied Physics Letters, um, showing how crystalline zinc oxide nanowires, blue, push, quote, seeds of gold nanoparticles, red, forward as they grow. I have to say that the scanning electron microscope image showing rows of horizontal zinc oxide nanowires grown on a sapphire surface with gold nanoparticles visible at the end of each wire. Yeah, it does kind of look like what um, I believe Staninger and others have called that one Morgulon, the golden head. It's a blue wire with a gold head. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, 
Part of the vision of nanotechnology is the possibility of building powerful, extraordinarily compact sensors and other devices out of atomic scale components. So-called, quote, nanowires, long, thin crystals of, e.g., a semiconductor, could not only link nanoelectronic devices like conventional wire, but also function as devices themselves, tipped with photodetector or light-emitting elements, for example. Hmm, light-emitting elements, kind of like the iridescent galons truly seem to emit rather than reflect or refract light. I do not know, but it's... It is what it is. It looks like how it looks. <laughs> An obvious stumbling block is the problem of working with components so small that only the most sophisticated measurement instruments can even track them. To date, the most successful nanowire alignment method involved growing large numbers of the rod-like crystals on a suitable base like blades of grass, shearing them off, mixing them in a solvent, and forcing them to align by either flow or surface confinement on the test substrate to orient most of the crystals in a specific horizontal direction. Further, photolithography steps are required to ensure that nanowires are positioned correctly. In contrast, the NIST technique technique grows arrays of nanowires made of zinc oxide, a semiconductor widely used in optoelectronics with precise alignments. The gold, quote, anchors are placed with a chemical etching step, and the orientation of the wire's horizontal, vertical, or at a 60-degree angle from the surface is determined by tweaking the size of the gold particles. Uh, and so this was, like I said, published in 2004. You guys, that's almost 20 years ago. And one of the things I always found interesting about the CDC study was that um, though it was very limited and we really have no way of knowing whether the people in the study actually had Morgulons, but let's just assume that most of them did. And what they reported in the CDC study was that people who had gotten Morgulons in earlier decades, like the 90s, um, as opposed to the 2000s, those people reported more fibers. It's not until the later decades in the 2000s that people start reporting glitters, specks, fuzzballs, those things this would suggest that there has been an evolution of this pathogen over time. Now, whether that was due to the natural evolutionary pressures exerted upon biological pathogens or whether it simply represents uh, an ongoing progression of design innovations in nanotechnology, I do not know. There is something so uncanny and bizarre and odd about Morgulon's fibers. This weekend, you guys, I had <laughs> some serious workouts. I was in the bathroom at one point um, looking in the mirror. No, not tweezing. Okay, maybe a little bit, but, but I was plucking my mustache, y'all. Yeah, apparently something happens when you turn 40 and you start growing a mustache when you're a lady. Now, if I could grow a full beard, that'd be one thing. I'd probably just let it Rip Van Winkle me into the next decade of my life, you know? But no, I was plucking my mustache hairs, y'all. And literally before my eyes, before my very eyes, a glitter, an opalescent white iridescent hexagon just popped the fuck out of my skin. Intact skin. Just was not plucking around that area. It was like right under my nostril and I was plucking towards the handlebar of my mustache, not the Hitler center region, but yeah, right around that region in the middle, right above my lip, a white opalescent hexagon emerged. So anyway, just another day in the life of being a morgie. All right, I'm gonna take a quick break. Stay tuned.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morgulans, a mass psychogenic illness spread by the internet. Is that true? You read it all the time, all over. The media reports about Morgulans disease. All the haters, all the naysayers, all the skeptics, doubters, disbelievers, and defamers of Morgulans disease have said that it is a mass psychogenic illness spread by the internet. Does this hold up? No, of course not. Let me explain why. Mass psychogenic illness, also called mass sociogenic illness, mass psychogenic disorder, epidemic hysteria, or mass hysteria, involves the spread of illness symptoms through a population where there is no infectious agent responsible for contagion. It is the rapid spread of illness, signs, and symptoms affecting members of a cohesive group originating from a nervous system disturbance involving excitation, loss, or alteration of function, whereby physical complaints that are exhibited unconsciously have no corresponding organic causes. It's a delusion, y'all, a mass delusion is what they're saying. So so if you're wondering about my source, it's Wikipedia. Um, all right, after that first introductory paragraph, it says specialty, psychiatry, clinical psychology, symptoms, headache, dizziness, nausea, abdominal pain, cough, fatigue, sore throat. I don't see glitter or fuzzballs or fibers on that list, but okay. Risk factors, childhood or adolescence, intense media coverage. Okay, well, we know that most of us are definitely in that demographic, the coveted one of middle-aged people. Um, We're not children or adolescents. And um, intense media coverage, Y'all, I ain't heard shit about Morgulon's disease, but like, I guess the last time I heard anything was in April or March of 2021 when somebody posted a video that went viral about moving fibers and masks that I at the time dismissed. But someday soon I'm going to make a new episode about nanotechnology uh, innovations in in the world of masks that I have been learning about recently. Um, anyway, causes. MPI or mass psychogenic illness is distinct from other types of collective delusions by involving physical symptoms. It is not well understood and its causes are uncertain. Qualities of MPI outbreaks often include, then there's a citation, and it says symptoms that have no plausible organic basis, symptoms that are transient and benign, symptoms with rapid onset and recovery, occurrence in a segregated group, the presence of extraordinary anxiety, Symptoms that are spread via sight, sound, oral communication. A spread that moves down the age scale, beginning with older or higher status people. A preponderance of female participants. Okay, so the only thing on this list that would apply to Morgulans is the possibly preponderance of female participants, but I'm not even sure about that, y'all. We don't have any population, let alone global worldwide studies on the uh, geospatial distribution and total case numbers of Morgulans yet. 
we will, but we don't right now. But yeah, none of these apply to Morgulans. Um, transient and benign, no, I would definitely not say that Morgulans is transient or benign. Uh, rapid onset in recovery. No, there's definitely not a rapid recovery. Uh, rapid onset, uh, that's debatable. A lot of the people I've met with Morgulon seem to say, when you ask them, well, when did this start? They go, well, hmm, I think it may have started in 2012, but I didn't really notice it. it didn't get bad until 2019 or whatever. So that's just not been my experience or the experiences of other people I know that suffer with this, but okay. Um, occurs in a segregated group? No, this is it affects people of all walks of life. Yes, there is a preponderance, possibly, of women with Morgulans, but there's plenty of men, white, black, yellow, red. There's all kinds of people, all kinds of ages. It is not a segregated group and it is all over the world. Uh, the presence of extraordinary anxiety. Um, I don't, I didn't have that before I got Morgs. Of course I did for a little while after I got them. Who the fuck wouldn't? Man, there's crazy shit coming out of your skin. Um, spread via sight, sound, or oral communication. I mean, does that include the internet? I don't know. Um, beginning with older or higher status people, and then it moves down the age scale. I don't see a bunch of young people coming out, Generation Z, talking about, I got more lungs. I just changed my gender again for the third time this week. I'm now an octopus. Um, yeah, British psychiatrist Simon Wesley distinguishes between two forms of MPI. Mass anxiety hysteria, quote, consists of episodes of acute anxiety occurring mainly in school children. Prior tension is absent and the rapid spread is by visual contact. And then there's mass motor hysteria, quote, consists of abnormal abnormalities in motor behavior. It occurs in any age group and prior tension is present. Initial cases can be identified and the spread is gradual. The outbreak may be prolonged. So the reason why this does not make sense, he's saying prior tension is present. Y'all, we didn't even know each other. We are not a distinct group of people. Again, I mean, now we fucking are because we're morgies, but that wasn't the case before we were morgies. Um, while his definition is sometimes adhered to, Others, such as Ali Gombe et al. of the University of Maduguru, Nigeria, contest Wesley's definition and describe outbreaks with qualities of both mass motor hysteria and mass anxiety hysteria. Do any of them describe outbreaks of people that have strings and hairs and weird shit? That never goes away? Nope. Uh, the DSM-IVTR does not, that's the most recent one, um, does not have specific diagnosis for this condition, but the text describing conversion disorder states that, quote, in epidemic hysteria, shared symptoms develop in a circumscribed group of people following, quote, exposure to a common precipitant. There's another thing that does not fit. We were not exposed to a common precipitant because we didn't know each other. Um, common symptoms. Timothy F. Jones of Tennessee Department of Health compiles the following symptoms based on their commonality in outbreaks occurring between 1980 and 1990. So there's a symptom list and then there's a percentage for the people reporting it. So headache is number one with 67%. I'll just go down the list here in descending order. Dizziness or lightheadedness, nausea, abdominal cramps or pain, cough, fatigue, drowsiness or weakness. All right, that's the first one on this list that I've heard associated with Morglon's fatigue. Um, sore or burning throat, hyperventilation or difficulty breathing. I have heard people report difficulty breathing with Morglon's. It is 
probably highly likely to be associated with anxiety, but you don't know until you test to get an ECG, y'all. Chest x-ray, pulmonary function test. Don't just believe some crazy lady on a podcast. Um, watery or irritated eyes, chest tightness, chest pain. Again, that could be anxiety. Inability to concentrate, trouble thinking. I believe we call that brain frogs. Uh, vomiting, tingling, numbness or paralysis. This is only 10%. These are the small percentages. Anxiety or nervousness, 8%. Diarrhea, 7%. Trouble with vision, 7%. Rash, only 4%. 10 years of data he gathered. Plus, we don't have a rash. We have lesions. Um, that, like, never heal or take forever to heal. They recur. And they're also um, full of glitters and fiber and strings and specks and fluff balls. <laughs> I mean, we may have a rash, too, at various stages, certainly the beginning. Or possibly after trying to treat ourselves with crazy-ass shit. But, uh, yeah, that's the main symptom. And only 4% of people involved in participating in a mass psychogenic illness, quote-unquote, it very small percentage had anything to do with skin. Um, loss of consciousness, syncope, syncope means dizziness, and then itching, the lowest amount, 3%. So do you hear anything in the information so far about mass psychogenic illness that sounds like Morgulon's? Not really. Uh, okay, this section says prevalence and intense. Adolescents and children are frequently affected in cases of MPI. The hypothesis that, that those prone to extroversion or neuroticism or those with low IQ scores are more likely to be affected in an outbreak of hysterical epidemic has not been consistently supported by research. Bartholomew and Wesley state that it, quote, seems clear that there is no particular predisposition to mass sociogenic illness, and it is a behavioral reaction that anyone can show in the right circumstances. Intense media coverage seems to exacerbate outbreaks. The illness may also recur after the initial outbreak. John Waller advises that once it is determined that the illness is psychogenic, it should not be given credence by authorities. For example, a poor factory case study calling in a medicine man to perform an exorcism seemed to perpetuate the outbreak. Research. Besides the difficulties common to all research involving the social sciences, including a lack of opportunity for controlled experiments, mass sociogenic illness presents special difficulties to researchers in this field. Balarat Nasingam and Janka, I guess these are two academics, report that the methods for, quote, diagnosis of mass hysteria remain contentious, unquote. According to Jones, the effects resulting from MPI, quote, can be difficult to differentiate from those of bioterrorism, rapidly spreading infection, or acute or an acute toxic exposure. And this is something that I just keep coming back to in my own mind. Whenever you go on, let's just say the CDC's website, and you look at the section on there about bioterrorism or any state public health department website, and you look at that section, it'll say, report to your authorities uh, if you suspect that an act of bioterrorism has occurred, well, the authorities that people are going to report to with their illness is uh, the health care authorities, like physicians and physicians' assistants and advanced practice nurses. They are less likely going to be like, I'm going to call the FBI. I've got a weird rash. No. So all I'm saying is that's a huge chink in our national defense armor. 
Uh, these troubles result from the residual diagnosis of MPI. There's a lack of logic in an argument that proceeds. There isn't anything, so it must be MPI. It precludes the notion that an organic factor could have been overlooked. Nevertheless, running an extensive number of tests extends the probability of false positives. Singer of the Uniformed Schools of Medicine has summarized the problems with such a diagnosis. Quote, you find a group of people getting sick, you investigate, you measure everything you can measure, and when you still can't find any physical reason, you say, well, there's nothing else here, so let's call it a case of MPI. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to morgue lines, mm, you didn't investigate, you didn't measure everything you can measure, CDC. This was uh, 12 biopsies they looked at from health records of the previous two years instead of the actual areas around the country where people were reporting outbreaks of morgulons. It's just probably just a test kitchen for the CCP to find out whether or not we were on our toes before they spread the big one in 2020. Or maybe it's not the big one, maybe the big ones in 2023. I don't know, I hope not, but I suspect there will be something. Well, this is just a fascinating subject, but we are running out of time. I encourage you to read some case reports of mass psychogenic illness outbreaks and just ask yourself, does this sound like Morgulans? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, this is about as stupid of an explanation to explain the continuous spread of Morgulans across the United States, Canada, Australia, the UK, Germany, uh, everywhere except for um, China. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but never heard of any Chinese people getting Morgulans, just saying. Um, but yeah, mass psychogenic illness is about a stupid explanation for the spread of Morgulans all over the world for the past, I don't know, fucking 30, 40 years. Um, is as stupid as the foile adieu, madness of two, explanation for why sometimes Morgulans cases occur in clusters. I know it occurred in a cluster of patients in Atlanta in June 2020 when I got this from my ex and then my best friend caught it. It's really not hard to bust up the arguments, dissertions of those who claim Morgulans is a type of mass psychogenic illness. It is not, it does not fit the profile and it is still going on. There are still new cases breaking out all the time, all over the world. Hang in there. If you are one of those people who just got Morgulans, it can get better. You can cope and this does not define you. And if you're listening to this, it means you're surviving. And if you're surviving, then you're a winner, a warrior, and a force to be reckoned with. So am I. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.